Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello and welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, your hostess. And today I have Kristen Shalina with me, who is a practitioner up in Maine, and she's going to tell us her story, which is kind of quite interesting. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Kristen is, um, well, she's going to tell you all about her story, but she has a very unique one. And I think that you guys are going to find this interesting about how she found where she practices is kind of the best fit for her and her testimonial of how she got there. Kristen, I always start with, you know, why dentistry and why you chose dentistry or why it chose you? Uh, Dentistry more chose me. Um, I was working with adults with developmental disabilities for a lot of years. Um, and so we finally got dental insurance again. So we started going back to the dentist in our late twenties <laughs> after a couple of years of a hiatus and I'm laying there and I'm like, God, I could do this. I'm like, this is, this is a good, this is a good thing. So, um, and my husband was like, well, you know, you have a great brain. Maybe you should put it to some good use. So I started going back to school. Um, after both of our kids were born. So <laughs> working full time, going to school full time. And um, then in my third year of dental school, uh, Susan Ebert with the uh, ADA came and gave us a lecture. And it was about this new program that they were starting called Practice Transitions. Um, so I filled out kind of the profile and did all that. And that kind of got me here. <laughs> so it connected me with uh, Dr. Thibodeau, who was looking to retire in some time. Our original plan was three to five years when I first started, and that was in 2020. But yeah, that turned into uh, a year and a half, <laughs> and here I am a practice owner at three years. So, and quite a ride. Yeah, so at year three, ADA, uh, Catherine Eber was a, as a previous guest of, of the show, a lot of great information about practice transitions, because that's I was, we were talking before the show and I don't, I don't know, you know, all the different facets that go into being a new practitioner or, and, or acquiring a practice. There's so many moving parts with that. So absolutely. Did you know where you wanted to practice when, or have an idea about what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go when you graduated? Well, when I first started dental school, I was pretty set that I wanted to be a periodontist. And then when I got into dental school, 
the restorative aspect of it really clicked for me. And I love restoring teeth. So that kind of stepped me back to being a general dentist. So, but, oh man, the, uh, the road to get there was, was long and arduous, but, um, there are so many moving parts in trying to figure out where you want to be, what you want to do, what interests you the most, and whether or not you should do a residency if you feel that you're in tune enough and practiced enough in your program. Um, I was lucky enough to go to the University of New England, um, and their dental school doesn't have any residencies. So I was doing molar endo in my third year, um, and so I'd done a significant amount of restorative work prior to graduation. So I felt fairly comfortable. And my advisors were like, you know, you could do a residency, but I feel that you're, you know, you're where you you should be to to go into private practice if that's what you're comfortable with. So, you know, getting getting that kind of advice and that feedback from your professors is always nice. So Yeah. And feeling that confidence of, okay, I I can emerge as this person who is capable of that. That's Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Because when you said that that they don't have a residency, I was thinking, okay, that could be, that could possibly be a drawback for some people if they want to go that way, because then definitely they have to move somewhere. But then the flip side is that the school is um, putting that more of that into the curriculum as a graduation requirement. Yeah, we had third and fourth years that were, you know, working closely with the oral surgeons, placing implants and doing, we did all, all the procedures. <laughs> we did a lot of them too. So you definitely got a lot of practice and, and a lot of contact hours with, uh, with the uh, patients and, and doing dentistry. Um, so it was, it was a very good program and I feel very, very blessed to have been accepted there. Um, being as I was a, an older <laughs> an older recruit because I worked for about 10 years prior to going to dental school. So that was definitely kept me busy. <laughs> but as far as knowing where I wanted to end up, um, I knew I wanted to stay in Maine because that's where I was born and raised. My family's here. Um, my husband's loves it here. So we had a kind of a bubble of about an hour outside of my hometown. And this where I ended up was definitely not in that bubble. So that was one of the things that I liked about practice transitions is it didn't just put you to somebody that's close to you um, or somebody just selling the practice and actually looked at your style, um, what you're comfortable doing, what you prefer um, as procedures and and your comfort level with those procedures and uh, matches you with somebody who has a similar modality of treating patients. So you're not going to be with somebody who's like pushing, you know, one type of dentistry over another. And if you're not comfortable with doing surgical extractions, then maybe this practice that doesn't refer out isn't the best fit for you because the patients are going to be like, well, why can't you do it? Why can't you do it? Why do I have to go to see a specialist? Why can't you do it? So <laughs> and I have a number of people and be like, oh, you can do it. I trust you. <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe in you. And you're like, uh, yeah. But, but I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> and you never say no, that. This no, no. <laughs> so then where did you, so then with that, it's like you ended up outside of where you thought you were going to be. Tell us, tell me more about that. And why that ended up like, cause sometimes I think that we get so like 
this is exactly how I want it to be. And this is in my mind what it is. And so how did you get to, all right, first of all, you're going to tell us, I know like where you ended up and the type of practice that you're in, but then like also too, why was that okay to go outside of that for you? Well, as far as going outside of my comfort range of travel, um, I'm pretty used to traveling long distances. Um, when you live in Maine, if you want to go somewhere, it was my father-in-law. Was like, Every time I ask you where something is, you're like, man, it's about an hour, you know? So an hour was a, was a good fit for me, but, uh, we ended two and a half hours away, um, from my hometown and that's a doable ride. Um, it's to go visit family. It's not, not an inconvenience. It's give the kids their tablets and get on the road. Um, so it doesn't eat up your whole day. Um, so that was kind of the initial thing was like, ah, it's far, but it's a doable far. So that made it okay for us to to want to go. I also wanted to end up somewhere where I wouldn't have to move again. Um, I didn't want to hate where I ended up. <laughs> so a lot of that had to come down with actually meeting face to face and and meeting the uh, the office staff and you know, because you don't want to start over from scratch, especially when you're a new graduate. And you you don't know all the moving parts that go into running a, an office. There's, you know, the OSHA stuff and all that yeah. extra. Um, so being able to to meet with Dr. Thibodeau, um, meet his wife and who worked in the practice too, and kind of get that whole family vibe that we were looking for. That's not for everybody because um, my, my whole crew is a very close-knit group. Um, and they've been, most of them been working there for almost 20 years. So I was blessed to be able to keep them on, on board and not have to start over again from scratch. So, so yeah, with, it was so with us. It was like, it was two and a half hours away. Did you guys move out there? Or did you, do you still, or did you still commute? Um, we ended up moving here. Um, that was kind of, I don't want to have to drive that far when I did undergrad, I was an hour and a half every day. And then for graduate school, it was, uh, it was an hour. So I was ready to be done commuting. Um, so we, we did, we drove up here. Um, the first time we drove up here, my husband's like, I don't even know why we're bothering to come here. It's so far away. He's like, we were not going to like it. It's just, it's a waste of time. And so for a two and a half hour drive, we're all just like, "Eh, I don't know why we're doing this. And then we drove through town and it's a very cute town on a lake. Um, so that, that drew us into having the, the nice atmosphere in the town. Um, and then we met the practice um, and the doctor and the things just kind of clicked and made both of us very happy and comfortable. Um, we didn't feel like it was such an imposition to move that far. Um, where I know some people move a lot further to, to start their practice. So it was, a, it was definitely a good fit um, with the town and, and everything. So. so it sounds like that this is more of a, a rural area and how is, you know, with that, I think, you know, if you look at the statistics of dental schools and dental hygiene schools and what ADA is saying, like, okay, here's where everybody graduates and here's, here's all the dots on the map and where they end up because they're measuring all of that. Mm-hmm. Most people end up around the, the urban, you know, like the suburban areas and where there's more convenience and all that it doesn't it sounds like that that's you you moved out to more of a rural area and that's working for you so tell us more about that because i think that there is like a 
there's a disconnect of maybe like what that could be like. So tell us about your experience with that. Well, being outside of the urban area, the the closest city um, is Bangor. And it's one of the three major hubs in Maine. Um, so it's a, definitely a population center and has a mall, has all the shopping conveniences. and um, But we're about 45 minutes north. And so we're further up into the woods, closer to Canada. Um, and the population is right around 5,000 in this town. Um, and oddly enough, we have three private practice dental offices in town and a uh, federally qualified health center as well. So there's a lot of dentists. And I was kind of worried about that. Oh, there's a lot of competition. You know, you're thinking about that when you're thinking about smaller populations and more competition. And actually, we work very, very closely with the other two offices in town um, as a team. And um, so being able to work in a small town, you're you're well known. Um, You're asked to do things like join boards and and all that stuff. So if you want to get connected with the community, there are uh, avenues that are probably more available to you than in uh, kind of more urban areas. And your patients are very, very loyal <laughs> and they trust you. And um, we have very little pushback as far as like the type of procedures that you want to do. Um, they they definitely don't shop around as much. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I saw your Google reviews, but I saw these Google reviews. So that's, there's a lot less of that. We also have a lot older population up here, but a lot of people come up here to retire and enjoy their life. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes they have money, extra money to spend on their teeth that you wouldn't expect being in a lower um, population. Um, but we also draw people from Oh, an hour and a half to two hours away, um, because we are one of the only practices in the area that was taking new patients. The other office that just sold, they're seeing new patients, I think, two days a week. So it's hard to get in. (laughs) And so we're very, very timely. Uh, We don't like people to uh, call up with a toothache and have them wait. Um, We've had a number of patients who are, that's a good way to get patients too, is if they're like, oh, well, my dentist said they couldn't get me in for a month and a half and they have a toothache. And you're like, how do you tell somebody they have to wait that long? So we tell them you might have to wait a little while, but we'll squeeze you in. And we kind of build that into our practice model, that there are some gaps in there that we can fill in with emergency patients. Um, And it works very, very well. And most of those people that drive from an hour and a half away, we see them within a day or two of them calling with an emergency, even though they aren't an established patient. And uh, they become an established patient because they are so grateful to be able to be seen. Um, so it's it's definitely kind of well, my uh, my mentor, Dr. Thibodeau, he says uh, uh, rural dentistry is the best kept secret in dentistry because mm. you can make a very, very good living here. Um, it's not all about your your cost of living is a lot less. Um, our average house around here is probably, I'd say, two hundred thousand, um, and you're talking a two, three bedroom house. Sometimes has a garage. <laughs> you want a garage? It snows a lot here. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, um, and just kind of looking at the overall community in the area, 
where you want to move, like what is attractive to you to do. So if you're an outdoorsy person, you like to hike, you like to fish, ski, any of those things, then rural areas definitely tend to have those things fairly close by. And you're still making a good enough living to be able to do those fun things. So what are some myths that kind of like some myth busters, if you had some, some things like preconceived notions that you hear of, or that you read about some myth busters that you've discovered, maybe even just three of them about, you know, some things that people would say, here's what I, here's what I thought was true. And here's really what happens in a rural, in a rural town. So what, what would be some of those? I would say one of the the really big things that I thought was like, well, if somebody comes in and they're wearing kind of raggy jeans that they're not going to want to do a crown or do multiple crowns, those are frequently some of your best patients that you're just like, if you give everybody all of the options and leave it up to them to choose what they'd like to do, they would actually surprise you. You're like, you know what? I do want that implant where they come in and they're like, I think I need dentures. <laughs> and you only need to pull three teeth and be like, think a partial would do you here or a bridge and they'd be like oh i don't have to lose all my teeth perfect i'll buy that so it's not about upselling it's just about options um one of the other myths was that you'd think you, you would be really competitive um and especially in a small town with patients um and we are really not i actually have referred people to the other dentist in town before i was placing implants because he was placing implants um and he's sent people over to us that he just didn't have room for. He's like, listen, I know that they'll see you and, or they'll give us a call. And, and, uh, so to be, I was really expecting a little bit more competitiveness in our community. And, uh, the new doctor that just bought one of the practices in town, he, we had met before and he and his wife, we ran into each other and he was really kind of nervous and I was like, oh, I heard you just bought uh, the practice in town. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm so happy. <laughs> and he was like, you are? And I was like, yeah, I don't have room in my practice for two practices worth of patients. So in order for people to be seen, they we needed that to be taken over. So we, we definitely, uh, that was a definitely big eye opener for me was the amount of cooperation. Um, I'm trying to think of another myth. Um, I would say that probably one of the things I was worried about being a female going to a rural area is that I wouldn't be well received. Um, just because, you know, they're used to the male dentists. It's who they've been seeing for generations now. And I think all told, there's only one in my practice that doesn't want to see me. So I think that's a fairly good amount. <laughs> so we have, yeah. I think, 2,100 active patients that have been seen in the last six months. So that's, you know, I have one that doesn't want to see me. That's fine. <laughs> and when Dr. Thibodeau finally fully retires, cause he's still working uh, three mornings a week. Um, if he chooses to go to see another provider, that's, that's fine. <laughs> we expect then, to lose a certain amount. I mean, that amount of attrition is amazing. And I mean, does the patient say it's because you're a female or is it just a, it, not like it, change? not it, it's i think a little bit of both for him mm -hmm. um and and it is what it is there yeah. are a lot of times it's mostly it's what they're used to so, exactly yeah. i mean that, yeah. that's changed people just are like yeah. i do have problem? a a male assistant in the office and every once in a while he'll pop in and he, he now introduces himself as 
the assistant because <laughs> some people will assume that he's the dentist. He's like, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's what they're used to. Yeah, You're gonna, right. You know, bought a practice from a male. So <laughs> being a male provider or, you know, they kind of make that assumption. But. And then with, with also too, like some of the, cause I'm just thinking about possibly some of the myths. Do you accept a lot of insurances and do you have to do a lot, lot, like a larger percentage of write-offs up there because of the the rural nature of your town? Um, well, the FQHCs take care of a lot of our um, med- uh, Medicare patients. So, I mean, granted, they have to wait to get in. But um, as far as a lot of write-offs, not particularly. We do have a good portion of patients that have dental insurance. We do have a lot of that don't. So we're actually thinking about adding in the whole um almost like a club service for them where they can like a membership yeah kind of like a membership to the office and then they their cleanings and and x-rays will be covered but no and we get very good we get fairly good reimbursement rates um but we are only in network with like three insurances right now uh we had to dump one when i took over because they they dropped the reimbursement rate by about half. So <laughs> and they were right around where uh, main care was paying. And I'm like, that doesn't cover any of our equipment <laughs> that we use for fillings and stuff. So right. didn't, didn't cover and it wasn't cost effective. So we went out of network with them and now they're paying us better than they were when we were in network. So I don't know how that makes sense, but that's the nature of that, the beast. Yeah, I think that's a common misconception is that in those areas that with the insurances, if there are, if there is insurance, I mean, that you would have to write off a lot are, are the other two practices? Do you know if, are they also a network or are they fee for service? Do you know? Um, I know that one of them is a network with a couple of the same ones that we are. Um, I know Delta is a big one. Um, I'm not sure about the newer office. My assumption is, is that they're in network um, with a, with a few. There's not, we're not in network with everybody because then we would have to write off significant amounts but um and even when we made the switch and we we dumped the one insurance i don't think we lost more than maybe 10 or 15 patients of that pool and we had i think 250 patients from that so that was pretty good retention rate that i was i was happy about we sent out letters we told them we're not in network with them we are still accepting them we will still submit to them and so the the front desk does all that and they they do that as kind of a courtesy for people to, we send in the codes, the x-rays and all the information. And then, and then the insurance company pays us or they pay them and then they come and pay us. So, yeah, it was actually an eye opener that we don't have to write off as much. And that, so that's something that you weren't really sure of when you went into this, like you, I mean, I'm sure that practice transitions helped you understand that. And because of yeah. what was done previously with the doc, which is awesome to have all of that information. And, um, so it sounds like that you're like, I know that this was something kind of like an under this, uh, unearthed gem, right. Mm. Of an office that you didn't expect and you've broken down some myths for us. What, and then you, you said also too, that when you move to a rural town, it has perks of, you know, it's beautiful. It's in nature. You can go do all this. So there any other perks that maybe people haven't thought of like with the patients or, you know, other than the competition that was surprising to you that, you know, sometimes it, it sounds like that sometimes when you could think that a patient couldn't afford something, you know, cause that's, 
we all have bias. And I talk mm-hmm. about that so much when I when I'm consulting, when I'm speaking, when I'm presenting, and on and also on the show, that we have these filters that we that we kind of put in place for the patient because we don't think that they want to know because we can't we can't get out of our own way. But like what's been the most surprising thing for you? Would you say that there's like one thing that was surprising to you? Not really. I mean, yeah, the the fact that definitely those people that you would assume wouldn't want something are actually some of the ones that do. Um, that is quite shocking the first time you run into somebody who has <laughs> been all day at the farm and wants an implant. Um, yeah, that's but that's yeah, it's it's great. Um, and basically, the the more things that you can do in a, in a rural area, the more um, procedures that you feel comfortable with, um, the better your, your patients feel served. Um, cause if you're going there every time and you're just like, Oh, you just send me to someone else. Why do I even bother? So, um, getting comfortable. I've, I've gotten very, very comfortable with root canals and, and surgical extractions and, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely broaden your horizons and you actually surprise, you can surprise yourself too. That what, what you feel that you weren't comfortable with doing. Cause I was terrified of surgical extractions when I first came up here, but that definitely helped seeing a few and getting your hands wet and doing a few. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, okay. So much less work. If I just cut this molar in half, then have to yarn on it for 45 minutes. So little things like that. Yeah. So you had to like step into some areas that you weren't comfortable with initially to say, you know, what, I'm going to do this because of the patient's need or possibly mm-hmm. or whatever that was for you. And having, having a mentor close by makes it a little bit easier to step out of that comfort zone. If it's something that they're comfortable with, you're like, well, I have a, I have the safety net going on. So if that's something that you want in a transition, um, especially with practice transitions, that's kind of one of those options that you can like select be like, I need to have a mentor on site. Um, just cause I don't, I don't want to be left alone. Um, or you, you want to be left alone, but have that safety net of being like, Hey, can I question you about this? Is this how you would handle this situation? Wow. I had this pop up and we had a lot of little conversations like that when I first started, but no. And I was actually, I guess probably one of the things I was surprised about was, uh, when Dr. Thibodeau brought me on, he's like, no, we're, we're equals. So even though I was straight out of dentist school, he treated me as an equal. He's like, I'm here for a sounding board if you need me, or if you don't want me to, then that's fine. And, and that was very, very nice. And that I didn't have to feel as like a subordinate as far as what yeah. I wanted to do. I didn't have to ask permission or anything like that. So that was helpful. <laughs> yeah. And then do you do you think that, cause I'm just thinking too, you're coming into a rural area. You're, you may not, obviously you didn't know the patients because you're just kind of, you, you were an implant, (laughs) you were (laughs) an area implant. And so did your team help you understand your patients better? Oh, absolutely. Um, a couple of our patients are very, very close with the community. Um, they are on different committees for different events and stuff like that. Um, they volunteer their time in town. So they're very well connected. So being able to have them be like, well, this person's personality might be a little standoffish or something. And that's them. And they, they're like, if they're not chatty, then that's, that's fine. So being able to have those people on board that, that, that kind of know the area makes it a lot of, a lot easier. Yeah. And break down any pre- preconceived notions you may experience. Mm-hmm. You are, I mean, everything is new. And then Absolutely. 
not knowing, um, just not knowing, right? Yeah. So you don't know what you don't know <laughs> until you right. get into it. So it sounds like some of the things that I'm just reflecting on a conversation that were a big part of your success and where you are is going outside of your comfort zone, remaining open to other to other possibilities for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that mentoring made a big difference as well. Absolutely. And then also to not creating, trying to get out of your own way with like any particular bias that maybe may have been in place that, that you, it's not, it's not meant to be offensive or anything. It's not a conscious one, you know, it's just, it's there. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to tell our viewers? Anything that you'd like to add? Really? I mean, things are, things are going great. I mean, I'm very happy with the way things have gone. The the transition, we had our little bumps in the road, but mostly it had to do with insurances and credentialing and all that fun stuff. And um, Those are all things that you work out as they come at you. Um, but having the practice transitions and kind of having a flow where they have a little pamphlet that helps you go through everything that you're going to be going through. They have a book that you, an ebook too. Um, and they add to it every time they talk to a new transition group that they have and be like, what worked for you? What didn't? And then they, they adjust it as they go to what's most helpful. Like these, those little struggles are a little less um, stressful because there's a team backing you up, getting a, getting a good CPA, good lawyer, get the, get the team right ready when you, uh, kind of before you're starting the whole process and have that team behind you um, because they will look out for your best interests as well. So having them on board <laughs> helps. Yeah. That's um, I, I can't imagine the stress that that must alleviate from your standpoint and knowing how customizable that is for mm-hmm. you. And because too, if you're kind of, because there's some docs too, who go and go into a practice and they are different than the other doc and that's okay. Yeah. Like, do they, what's their heart like and what's their, what do they, does it align truly with the values that were in place there? And so it sounds like that practice transitions kind of did like a love connection for you. Pretty much. I mean, we did that personality profile and I, and I think that helps a lot that, you know, what your values and what drives you as a person also drives you as a practice um, practitioner and, and uh, as a doctor and a community member. So. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And thanks for, I think, busting the myths on what a rural practice is like. And we just, I just really appreciate you sharing that per perspective because, you know, there's, there's more care that's needed in those communities. And I know that you're probably available. If anyone wants to reach out to Kristen, her contact information is in the show notes and you can definitely reach out to her. And Krista, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for all that you do every day and in and for your communities and the communities that you serve. You're making a difference every single day. And if you wouldn't mind, I always ask for the favor, go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. And because Apple is what matters and rates everything. And then go on to YouTube, like, share, subscribe with all your friends that you love. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you.